Welcome to the Location Indie Podcast, an unfiltered, behind-the-scenes, no-holds-barred look at the realities of the location-independent lifestyle from two guys who are living that lifestyle. I'm Trav. And I'm Jason. We're the co-founders of Location Indie. And you may have noticed there was no timer in this episode, Trav. Yes, that's because once a month, we're going to be rolling out a very special bonus episode for you where we're highlighting one of our Location Indie members and their story of how they became location independent. We're going to be doing that today. So let's get into it. Each person's location independent journey is unique. We all have our own creative approach to business, travel, how we blend everything together to manifest our ideal lifestyle. One of the things that inspires me most day in and day out is when I see the location indie community members consistently taking action towards their goals and leaning on the community along the way for support, for advice, while also giving back. So each month, we highlight one member location indie community who is putting the work in that it takes to go LI. And we don't highlight them just to recognize the stuff that they're doing, but also to learn from their wins and from their setbacks. So I'm super excited to welcome this month's location indie member of the month, Mitko Karshofsky. Congratulations, Mitko. Big welcome to you. Hey, man. Thanks so much. I'm uh, super uh, happy to be here and honored. Yeah. And as you guys who are inside Location Indie know, you know, Mikko is one of our most active members. I cannot really remember a call that has not had Mikko on it. So I just want to throw that out to you just right off the bat, Mikko. Thank you for being so active and so engaged in helping so many people. It's really amazing to have gotten to see your story unfold over the last... How long has it been now? Uh, I think I joined in like September of okay, 2017. So, yeah. All right. So we're looking at eight eight months-ish. Eight yeah. months-ish. Oh, we're closing in on a year here. All right. We're closing in on, our, on Mitko's year anniversary, which is awesome. <laughs> and what I want you to do for, for people who don't know your entire story and myself who doesn't know the entire story is to kind of take us back as far back as you want to go in terms of your like entrepreneur journey or why you kind of felt that this location independent lifestyle was something that was worth going after. Yeah. So I always kind of like joke around that this, I've always been like destined to do this or something like that because, uh, so I was born in Varna, Bulgaria, which is on the black sea coast and growing up, um, my dad was a sailor. And so I was surrounded by these like adventurous characters who would talk about, you know, traveling all over the world, uh, from work and stuff like that. So I was always just super fascinated by their stories. Um, and I was a big reader and from an early age, I was kind of like hit on top of the head with books by people like Jack London and Ernest Hemingway. And they just kind of instilled this very adventurous spirit in me, so to say. So I always knew that I wanted to go out and see the world and just kind of be out there as much as possible. Um, and then when I was eight years old, I traveled abroad for the first time and I went to Istanbul, which is if any of you guys have ever been there, it's like a shock and awe effect to the senses. Um, and so I was just immediately hooked. Like I was like, this is insane. Uh, I f- like we also like stayed on a sailboat when we were down there. So it was just this like crazy experience. Um, and then as I went through like my high school and college years, Um, and I saw myself sort of going towards this nine to five, uh, cubicle sort of life. I was like, this, this is not going to work. Um, and so I knew I had to do something very aggressive and I actually dropped out of college after my sophomore year, because I said like, I mean, I need to make a move that I knew would make sure that I'm not going to end up there. And so I dropped out of college. 
Uh, I went back to my high school job as a lifeguard, actually, while I figured out kind of this whole location independent entrepreneurship thing. Um, and so that took me about two years to figure out. And then in January of last year of 2017, I was actually able to go uh, location independent officially. So, and big congratulations, you. We're all clapping for you, thank uh, you thank here, you. Mikko. And th- what's shocking to me, amazing to me, I should say, is that as a sophomore in college, you were aware enough to sit there. I mean, I wasn't thinking of anything. I the last thing I was thinking of was actually what I was going to do. I could barely like get to an 11 a.m. class. But you're sitting there saying, "All right, if I'm looking at the big picture, this doesn't fit into into my goals." Like, sure, college works for some people, but for me, this isn't a part of my big goals. How? Like, what do you attribute that to? Is that maybe from your parents? Is that some of the nurturing growing up of, of having these ideas that are a little out of the box? I mean, your dad being a sailor, certainly not something that a lot of parents do and a lifestyle that's a lot of, that's very different. Do you think that's part of it? Or was there something else that, that touched on, on it? Was it a book or anything like that? Well, I mean, I, I think certainly that like my dad's experiences, his background, like really affected me because he was an entrepreneur um, growing up as well. And so uh, him and I have very similar personalities and I kind of got to see like what works for him, what doesn't work for him. Uh, so that was definitely helpful. Um, but when I was in high school, I actually took uh, a biotechnology course, which is um, kind of like microbiology. It's very like scientific and stuff like that. And I like loved it. And I thought like, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. Um, I was good at it, I would say. Uh, And so when I went to college, I decided that I was going to study that. But um, literally the first day of class, I walked into that lab, I put on that lab coat and the professor started talking and I was like, I don't want to be here. Like just immediately, I was like, I don't want to be stuck in a basement somewhere in a lab day in, day out. Um, And I sort of realized that what did get me so interested about that class in high school was this sort of entrepreneurship feel that it had, that it just wasn't missing in college. And so um, I spent a lot of time sort of like thinking about it and trying to figure out what it was. And you shouldn't give me that much credit because honestly, I didn't know what I was doing. Um, I was just sort of like, let me take a year off uh, to try to figure it out. But I kind of think I just always knew I wasn't going to go back. Um, but yeah, don't give me too much credit. Cause I was kind of just like flying by the seat of my pants. So hey, that's fine. I like how you spin it to, to yourself and probably to the outside world of like, it's just a year. Don't worry. Anyone who's freaking out, don't worry. It's just a year in your head. You're like, yeah, 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 right. yeah sure. That's... I mean, this is my fallback, but let's be serious. What was there? What was kind of the feedback from parents, family, friends, people, obviously who were in college, who were probably sitting there thinking, Mikko, no, like you're in college. You got to do, you got to do college. Everyone does college. You're halfway through. Yeah. So, um, right before I dropped out, I think I read, um, the book, uh, how to make friends and influence people by Daniel Carnegie. I might be butchering the name, but so that kind of like gave me the tools I needed to present this idea to my parents, you know? So I was kind of like, I approached them. I had the whole thing planned out. I told them it was going to be just a year, basically knowing it wasn't going to be, but they were pretty like, accept they like accepted the idea. They were like, okay with it. Uh, when I went and I told my friends, they were actually like, well, yeah, we like, that makes sense for you. And I was like, okay, do you know something I don't about me that, but they just, uh, they just weren't very surprised by it. They're like, yeah, we knew you weren't going to be, you, they knew that I wasn't going to take like the regular route. So sometimes people from the outside have a much better perspective of you and your strengths and your skills and weaknesses than you do. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 
So you all right, you 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 stop college. You're like, all right, but I'm not just going to bum around. I'm going to lifeguard. Then talk us through how that transitioned because you said, all right, uh, January 2017, I was able to go location independent. But what about those steps in between? Because that's a two year gap or a little more than a two year gap that you were obviously hustling and doing some sort of stuff to to make that happen, make that dream a reality. Yeah. So I actually had never heard the term location independent. I'd never heard the term digital nomad. None of those things existed for me. All I knew was that if I was going to have possession of my own time and I was going to be able to dictate my own like days and, you know, basically be location independent, I'd have to own my own business. And the closest thing to that, that I knew about was like the whole startup scene that was happening. And Cincinnati actually has where I am now and where I grew up in the US um, actually has a pretty good startup scene. Um, And so I got involved in that. I uh, founded a small startup company here called Access Adventure. And the idea there was that we were going to basically build the Airbnb for outdoor equipment, which ended up being a terrible idea. Uh, because why? Yeah. Tell us why that was a terrible idea. And yes. And tell us when you realized it was a terrible idea. Like how deep into it were you? I was way too deep. Uh, it was about a year later, but you know, I was like 21. I had no idea what I was doing. Um, but basically it was a terrible idea because we built this web platform where everybody could put their stuff up online. People could rent it. Like we did all of that hard work and then we launched it and nobody cared. And so we went out and we talked to people like why, and the people who had the equipment were like, well, I'm not going to give you my $200 tent for some guy to go like ruin out there. And then when we talked to the people that would be renting the equipment, they kind of said like, well, why would I rent this for $10 a day when I can just go buy it from Walmart for $20? So we were there like stuck, like, okay, uh, this is awkward. (laughs) What do we do now? Um, And so that transitioned, um, we finished that up and then that transitioned into, I actually built uh, a small e-commerce store for, um, I don't know if you ever heard of the AeroPress. It's like a travel coffee maker. I Um, just got one sent to my house from AeroPress last week and Heather used it for the first time yesterday. So yeah. There you go. Yeah. So um, I actually started making these like uh, accessory carrying cases for those. Um, and so that was my first sort of entry into e-commerce and making your own product and that kind of stuff. Uh, but I just did not know enough to be able to build that product. I was just way too like new into it and that just the money, the number side of it didn't really work out. Um, and then I started thinking about e-commerce and sort of like, what would be the easiest way for me to do this? And that's how I got into drop shipping and drop shipping led to me hearing this term digital nomad. And the moment I heard that term, that's like the Pandora's box, right? Like you put that into Google and just, just this whole new world appears. Um, and so that's kind of how I was like, that just like the light went on. When I like heard that, I read what the definition was. I saw people doing it. I was like, that's it. Like, that's what I want to do. You know? So it's pretty amazing when you have this feeling inside of you and, and this, uh, these ideas and, and you know what you want out of life, but there's no, there's no term to it. And like you, when I started out, I didn't know the term digital nomad. I didn't know location independence. I didn't know any of those terms. I just knew I didn't want to work for someone else and I wanted to live where I wanted to live. And then all of a sudden you, you hear like a two word thing. You think, oh my gosh, my life is clarified into a mission now. Like I can actually say what I want to do to someone and maybe they don't understand it, but at least I have something to, to tell them, which is, which is pretty amazing. I want to just circle back really quick to those two first businesses that you mentioned. The one about the idea with the outdoor equipment and then, and, you know, renting it, what would you say was your biggest lessons from that? Cause I mean, and you've, you've kind of called it a crazy six, like 
big time failure for you, right? So what was your, what was your lessons from that failure? And also what, like, what did you lose in that? Did you do some things to mitigate that failure? Like, did you put a lot of money out first? Did you bootstrap it? How did that actually turn out? And what did you learn from it that then you took going forward? So I would say like one of the biggest lessons that I learned is to just get something out there as quickly as possible and talk to the people who are going to be your customers, right? Because I waited basically a year to talk to the people that are going to be my customers because I was scared, right? Like I didn't want somebody to tell me that I had a bad idea, even though I did, you know? Um, And so I would definitely say, get out there and talk to your customers before you do anything. Like you've got an idea, go like go find 10 people that you think might be your target audience and ask them if they would want to do it. And if they're interested, get them to somehow commit to it, like put down a little bit of money, whatever it will be to show that it's not them just saying like, Oh yeah, it sounds great. You know? Um, so that's one thing. And then the second thing is that I didn't really put up any sort of money for it because I was able to sort of tap my network of friends and relationships. And I was able to convince them that this was a good idea. And so I had a friend who was a developer. And so I went over there and like convinced them it was a good idea, even though it ended up not being a good idea. Uh, I had a friend who was a designer who I convinced it was a good idea. And so we went in it together as founders. And so that's kind of how I was able to bootstrap it with really um, no money. But my biggest sort of advice that I give people now when they ask me is, um, and I think I heard this from Noah Kagan. I don't know if you've ever uh, heard of him sure. before, but yep. I, I think it was from him. He kind of says like, if you've got an idea and I put a gun to your head and I tell you that you've got 48 hours to put something out there, what are you going to produce? Right? So that kind of gives you that deadline of like, you've got 48 hours. It's not going to be what you want to put out, right? Like right. your dream idea, <laughs> but just put something out there that you can test and just see like, does this have some sort of validity, you know? For sure. Yeah. Testing your market before you put in time or, or especially money. I think time, it, it's not as big of a deal, especially when you're starting because you're learning a lot of things along the way. You know, you got those friends in, you guys build a website. Okay. So that website didn't work. That platform didn't work, but you at least are leading to something else. Whereas, you know, if you take your life savings and you say, hey, I'm going to dump it into this. I haven't tested it. That might be a little harder to get back or, you know, that's a lesson that's a little harder to learn when it comes to that. So I love that you at least said, I have this idea. I'm not going to invest a ton of money. I might invest time, but next time I'm going to pre-launch it or I'm going to get someone, I think you gave great advice there, to buy into it in some way, whether that be to put a down payment whether that be to buy in at a uh, smaller price, whether that to attend, even even for someone to actually attend a free workshop or something like that, that shows that they put in some sort of commitment it is absolutely huge. And then you you got into this the into the AeroPress, and that I guess did just okay. Gave you kind of cut your teeth. What then has become of your business? Like, how what does it look like now? And what are the things that you're involved in? Yeah. So, um, through the whole like drop shipping community, I actually joined the course to learn how to do it. And within that course, I, um, like met a mentor and I started working with that mentor on my own drop shipping store, which still didn't work out for one reason or another. But what I did end up doing was actually, I started working for that mentor in his business. Cause he saw something in me. He said, you're a hard worker. I like what you're doing, all that kind of stuff. And so, um, him and a partner had an Amazon FBA business and they actually hired me on to do all of their marketing. And then that sort of like kickstarted my location independent journey. Um, now currently a year later, um, I'm doing a lot of marketing and web development. And what I have found works for me is to actually reach out to 
like agencies that are doing it for clients. And I basically freelance for those agencies. Uh, so then that keeps me from actually having to go out there and hunt for clients personally. Uh, Cause I found that I'm not that good at it. I don't want to go out there and like hunt down clients. I build a relationship with these agencies and then they feed me sort of like work. How did you, and that's pretty awesome that you were able to look at two different things and say, okay, if I was getting all my own clients, I have to do this, this, and this, but like these one or two things I'm not good at, but I'm really good at this. So let me try to find out how to get rid of the, that part of it, which is hunting your own clients. But how did you determine that the drop shipping on your own wasn't going to work for you? Like, how, Was that a tough transition to say, because you, you have this dream of like, I'm going to run my own company. And then all of a sudden you say, well, no, I'm going to take a step back and I'm going to work for someone else that, that I, that I want to emulate, that I know is going to teach me. Because then, because you don't have all the freedom yet, right? Like it's not your own thing. You're still working for someone else, but it's a step in the right direction because it's location independent. Was that hard for you? Or were you at a position where you thought, no, this is what I need right now. Like I've tried to go out on my own completely. Now I'd love to learn from someone who's actually done it to, to a degree of success. Yeah, so that's that has sort of been a long journey for me. I'm the sort of person who I like to go from zero to hundred like really quick, right? Like I'm like everything needs to get done in a month, like three months from now. Like, you know, it's I don't really have like these long term, like, oh, this is gonna take a year and a half, you know. Um, and so what like I realized of us, you want it done now and you want to see the success now, and then you want to move on to whatever other crazy idea you have, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's like the most difficult thing in the world, but I sort of realized that. I didn't have the patience, right? With everything that I had done, I just didn't have the patience to look at it in like three years from now, five years from now. Um, and that was really affecting me negatively, right? And so when that mentor came to me and offered that up to me, I was still working as a lifeguard. So I was like, um, yeah, this beats that. <laughs> Uh, and then, and then, you know, it gave me that location dependence that I really wanted. It gave me a lifestyle that I enjoyed and that I didn't hate waking up at five in the morning to go to a pool for 10 hours every day. Um, and so I took that and then what ha ended up happening is that when I had my own dropshipping store, again, I just, A, I didn't have the patience to see it through and B, I didn't have the money to actually compete with everybody else that was out there selling the product that I was selling. Um, and that is sort of like the thing where, and I don't know if anybody has like heard about drop shipping or read into it, but it sort of gets like sold a lot as this like quick thing that you can make money off and then become location independent. And it's true. It is in the grand scheme of things, an easy business model to be successful at, but you need to have the money and you need to have the skills and the patience to put those two things behind it. And personally, I haven't seen someone be successful without that sort of long-term goal, that long-term plan. And a source of income that they can then use to fuel the marketing for that store, uh, which I at a lifeguard salary did not have. <laughs> so I actually just ran everything up on credit cards. And at one point that credit limit hit the top and I was like, well, uh, I don't know what I'm going to do now. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, I, I'm with you that I, I think drop shipping, I think it's an awesome idea. I think the same with Amazon FBA stuff. Uh, you know, all that, all, all these ideas, they're great in theory and they're, they're even great in practice. But what people don't really relay is the fact that you're going to have to put an investment up because you have to get product. Like that's just how it happens. So you're going to have to have some sorts of income coming in somewhere else or, you know, a plan where if you do run up on credit, you know, you're getting that back and things like that. And I think it kind of gets glossed over by the people who have done it successfully because 
then it becomes like once you hit a certain point, it becomes a self-perpetuating machine, which is which is what you want. But in the beginning, there has to be that initial time investment and and the idea that yeah, you're going to see it through for six to twelve months at least, and also that initial capital investment, which everyone I know who's successfully drop shipped or come up with an Amazon business usually was doing something else to make money to allow them to live or even to make money to then run that business until it got going. What, what would you say if someone was interested in doing that type of thing for a time frame? Like how long, what's the, I guess, what's the quickest you've seen someone be able to successfully do it? Yeah, that's sort of like a, a, a tricky question because if you don't have the money to test out running advertisements for you know, months on end, um, then it could take a while. But if you're someone who's got a lot of advertising background, right? Because drop shipping is based on Google ads. Uh, SEO is sort of like a long-term thing. It's like a, like a long-term plan. And if you don't have the skills, it could take a while. Now, I have seen people who are extremely good advertisers who've been doing Google AdWords for a long time, who can come in. And if the product is right, they can get it going in a couple of months. But like, I think every case is different. So, yeah, and there are people who already know what's going on with other products. It's almost like recreating the same system with a new with a new product versus what you were trying to do and what a lot of people are trying to do is a learn what how to actually do it and then b find the product, right? It's like they're two totally different learning curves when it comes to that. Why did you then transition into into the marketing? Like how did that or was that just because you were doing it with your mentor and you thought, "Hey, I'm good at this." I see an opportunity. Like if I can do this for, for them, I could do this for other people. Yeah. So, um, I was basically doing social media marketing for them. Um, and they were kind of letting me, you know, test out other things. So I was writing content for them. I was doing a, like a whole bunch of different things. Um, and then I had a friend who actually ran a digital marketing agency. Um, and it was just a really small agency, uh, but we were in a mastermind together and I sort of realized that the money that I was making from that initial, you know, through my mentors wasn't going to be enough to sustain me long-term. And so I went to him and I said, like, kind of basically asked him like, Hey, like, you know, me, you know, all the skills that I have. Do you have any ideas on like people that I can talk to or whatever? And he's like, well, I'm actually looking for somebody to come help me out. And so I joined his agency and I started doing advertising and marketing for their clients. And then that's basically how I started learning more about advertising, more about marketing um, and SEO. And then just one thing led to another. And then I ended up getting more agencies to help out. I know this is going to be a tough question for you because you don't like to look too far in the future. But what do you see being uh, the goal that you're working towards? Like, What is one of the... And we don't even have to think five years in advance because I never ask anyone that question because I could never begin to answer that myself. But in a year or something, like what is what is a goal that you're setting that you're saying, all right, this is something I'm shooting for eventually? Is it your own marketing agency? Is it something completely different? What are a couple of those big goals that you might have that you're that you're working towards? Yeah. So for me, like it's never been my dream to run an agency. Uh, I am a creator. Like I like creating things. I like putting my ideas out there. Um, I like meeting other people. I just like working on cool projects that are creative and that are around the things that I'm passionate about, which I'm super passionate about this space. Um, and so for me, sort of the big projects that are ahead right now is that I've been learning web development because I see it as a very sustainable uh, location independent 
sort of work track. Um, I have friends who run web development agencies. And so they've been helping me out. They've been giving me some small projects to work on uh, to cut my teeth. And so that's sort of something that I look, I'm looking at long-term having as a fallback plan as something to uh, sort of uh, be an income stream for the moment. And then I want to, currently I'm building up my, I'm building my own uh, website and my own personal brand around, uh, it's going to be called That Remote Life, which kind of is all about the nitty gritty stuff about having a location independent lifestyle. Um, and then the other project that I'm currently running is called Nomad Varna, which uh, we can dive into as much as you want to or not, but it's uh, basically we're creating a project um, to facilitate my hometown of Varna, Bulgaria, becoming sort of like a nomad hub in Eastern Europe. Yeah. Give us, give us the deets on that. Like how is that? Cause that's a big pro like that's essentially saying I'm going to change my city to be, <laughs> to be something that's known on like a world scale as, as something that as a place for people to come, where was the idea? Like why do it? And then how are you making it work? Yeah. So, um, you know, when you first hear the term digital nomad, it's not too much later that you find out about Chiang Mai, right? And Chiang Mai, (laughs) for those people that maybe don't know, it's sort of like the Mecca of digital nomadism. Like, would you agree with that? 100%. We did a podcast, Heather and I recorded one yesterday where we talked about like the hotspots. And I said, I can't imagine anything unseating this right now. Like it's Chiang Mai, Bali, right? Medellin, Colombia, and but really Chiang Mai. It's like yeah, that's yeah, it's the just, one. If you search digital nomad into Google, like you're gonna find out about Chiang Mai pretty quickly. Um, right. And so you know exactly like how I think a lot of us react like when we find out, and you just like go down the rabbit hole and you read everything. So I found about Chiang Mai. I read about it, and I was kind of like the whole time I was reading about it, I'm like, hmm, this has a lot of similarities with Varna. Right. So why is Varna not where Chiang Mai is? And so it's been an idea that I've been toying around with for a really long time. And last year when I actually spent four months in Varna for the first time as a digital nomad, I got to kind of like test the waters. Like, Mm. are there people here who are already nomadic? Are there like, like, are there resources? Is there infrastructure to support this community? And what I was able to find out was that yes, there are people here. There's not as many as say like Sofia, which is the capital, or there are some other places like Budapest and uh, Prague that are around sort of that central Eastern European area. Uh, But no one is coming out to Varna. And so for me now, sort of, it came down to like, I know that the infrastructure is here, but it's difficult for people who don't speak Bulgarian to find it. Mm -hmm. So right now, what I'm doing is basically building a web app that sort of is connecting that whole infrastructure and making it very easy for somebody to find. Um, And then I'm using my relationships and contacts and whatever I can to get the word out about Varna. Um, I had a friend last summer, uh, Chris Dodds. He runs a YouTube channel called Chris the Freelancer, uh, who I met up with in Budapest and we had some beers. And during the course of those beers, I somehow convinced him to come out to Varna. <laughs> and so he uh, came out and did like a vlog out there and, you know, getting his uh, affirmation of saying like, this is actually a pretty cool place um, was something that helped. So uh, yeah, give us, yeah. give us the 30 second pitch for Varna. So if we're all, if, if everyone listening, cause you know, everyone's either aspiring digital nomads, location impeded people, or they are, what's, what's the 30 second pitch for Varna? What is it? have that someone would come out and be like, yeah, this is pretty cool. Just like Chris, the freelancer said. 
Yeah. So, I mean, it's obviously very cheap. The prices are actually very similar to Chiang Mai and the rest of Thailand. So that's great. Uh, it's in Europe. So you're within a two to three hour flight to just about anywhere in Europe, but it's outside of the Schengen zone. So your time in Bulgaria does not count towards, you know, the, the cool click, as I call them, of European countries, which are like, you know, France, Italy, Germany, all of those. Um, so your time in Bulgaria does not count to that. Uh, but unlike the other cities in Bulgaria, Varna has a very, very nice beach lifestyle scene. I mean, it's just the beach is littered with beach bars. It's a really nice area to be. Um, and you're still really close to everything else. Um, and so now that we're building out um, sort of co-working spaces and we're finding living spaces that are going to be like more digital nomad friendly, it's turning more and more into a possible spot that can nice. maybe become something in Eastern Europe. I think, I mean, that sells it there. Don't need the Schengen, be- like don't have to worry about the Schengen. Beaches, cheap, good infrastructure. I mean, all right, sign me up. How yeah, much is a plane ticket to Varna? Let's go. <laughs> it's also got some of the, Bulgaria has some of the fastest internet speed in speeds in Europe. So, I mean, it's just, you know, a lot of things clicking, so. Very cool. I love that you, that you've actually, because you say you're not much of a, a planner, you're not looking long-term, but in what you just told us in the last like five minutes, what's amazing is you, you've really come up with a cool idea in that I'm going to come up with a base level, like with this web development thing, a skill that I could always use that I know worst case scenario, I'm doing web development. I'll be able to make money. I'll be able to live. I'll be able to be location independent. Like I guess you'd call it like the responsible thing. Right. And then you say, I've got this crazy passion project of taking my hometown, which I believe in. And I have this awesome idea for and saying, this is something that doesn't even need to be something that makes money right off the bat. It's just, it's a passion thing that I'm, that I'm behind fully. And I love that you, that you've been able to parse it out and have that dichotomy instead of saying, I'm going to go one way or the other, because I know you wouldn't be happy for like, well, I'm just going to do web development. Sure. It allows you to be location independent, but what a couple of years later you're sitting there and you're like, well, this isn't exactly what I signed up for. Right. And you're not going the other way and saying, well, I'll just make Varna the digital nomad hub and be like, you know, the god of Varna here, you know, people coming and bowing down to Mitko. But um, you, you're doing both of those. I think that's pretty responsible. I think that's an awesome model for people to follow when they have a passion project, but they also want something that gives them a little bit of stability. Yeah. So first off, nobody should ever be bowing down to me. That's just, <laughs> I think, a mistake. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was just kind of like, it comes down to the whole patience thing. It's something that I've been working on a lot over the last year because I've seen my lack of patience really affecting me negatively. And I would challenge people out there to really kind of think about, am I giving these projects and things the time that they need in order to become something great, right? Um, and so for me, yeah, it just came down to I sort of started running all of my decisions through this, this like funnel of like, does this allow me to be location independent? Uh, does it allow me to live the life that I want? And if it's a no, then it's gone. Right. Um, and so I wanted to have something that I would have some sort of safety net. So I know that web development is very in the band. It's very well paid. So like you said, like worst case scenario, I'll be location independent. I'll make money. Uh, great. But I just, I know myself and I know that I won't be happy unless I'm doing something creative and getting out there and having those crazy ideas. Um, and so that's, I had to have something like that on the side. So that's awesome. Last question I've got for you is since joining Location Indie, what have you found to be the biggest benefits of the community? Because you had obviously, you said January 2017, you, you, be, you became location independent, you were working with your mentors. So you had realized that dream, but you knew it wasn't where you wanted it to be, right? You're like, all right, th- I'm not lifeguarding, but I'm at like step one of who knows how many, let's say 20. 
since then, since since September, um, when you joined, what have you seen been the impact of the community, and what have you enjoyed the most from being a part of it? So, um, I don't know if anybody out there has heard the quote, "You're the average of the five people that you spend the most time with." Uh, but that is like one of the most true statements I've ever heard in my life. I've just I've seen it in my own life, where if you get around people that are doing what you want to be doing, you will just naturally start to emulate them. Um, and so for me, I just knew that I had to be around people who are doing the things that I want to be doing and who are passionate about the same things that I'm passionate about in order to continue moving forward. And so joining Location Indie for me was this way to sort of hack it. And I knew like, okay, great. There's already this community of hundreds of people who are doing what I want to be doing who love traveling as much as I do, who think the same way that I do. So why not join it and get around those people so I can continue improving and moving forward. So, yeah, I love the idea. It's, it's, it is, it's like hacking friendship and relationships, right? Because you could, you could go out and put a ton of effort in and how and grow those organically email people that whose blogs you follow and podcasts you listen to. And I recommend people do that anyway, reach out to people, tell them they're doing a great job. You know, you could find mentors and stuff that way, but it's a lot of work, right? I, I mean, you could go to meetups in your local area, all that kind of stuff. And the reason we started location, it was the same thing. We're like, yeah, but what if we could just create a place that when you immediately come here, you know, people are on the same page as you. So you've got a built in system there to get on and get on with those people, figure them out, find them out, um, you know, build a relationship with them much quicker than it would take with back and forth and one-on-one type stuff. So I love that you brought that up and I'm, I'm with you. It's, it's a blessing to be able to surround yourself with people who are doing similar things and motivating and inspiring and supporting you along the way, which is one of the reasons why you're a member of the month, because talk about motivating, inspiring, and, uh, and helping others. Uh, you just come in with such enthusiasm all the time. I love your honesty, Nicole, in saying like, yeah, patience isn't my thing because you and I are very much alike. So it's not my thing, but I'm trying to work on it. And here's like the things I'm putting in place. So I just really appreciate everything you've done for the community. It's awesome to hear your story. Um, and that's why it's great to, to name you as the member of the month. If people are listening, and how can they find out more about what you do? What's the best place for them to go to find the stuff you're doing and continue to follow your journey? Yeah. So um, I would say that I'm most active on Instagram. And so if anybody wants to find me, you can find me at uh, Mitkoka, which is MIT. K-O-K-A. It's basically my last name, first two letters of my, uh, my first name, last two letters of my last name. Uh, but also you can head over to my new blog and website, thatremotelife.com, and you can join, uh, you can subscribe for the email list over there. Um, and you'll basically be on the fast track to hearing about anything that I'm doing. So Awesome. Thatremotelife.com. It's cool that you got that domain name. There's so many things that aren't available anymore. I'm actually kind of surprised you're able to squeeze it out. Awesome, man. I'm also the proud owner of nomadceo.com, which I'm also very surprised exists. Um, yeah, I'd, not I'd sure what I'm going to do with that. <laughs> I, I don't know. I would every, those $12 every year, I would keep paying that until I figure it out or until you <laughs> ended up selling it to someone who really wants it. So Yeah, that's right. And uh, thank you so much for building the community. It's been a, an amazing journey already to be a part of it. Uh, I've met so many amazing people. So I just want to say thank you and to Jason for that. So. Awesome. Well, thank you, man. It's it's the people like you, Mikko, and everyone who's here watching live and everyone who's in location indie community that, that make it what it is. Um, we can facilitate it, but it's really the people inside that make the community as great as it is. So if you guys are listening and you are not a member of Location Indie, you can find out more information at locationindie.com. 
And whenever we open up, uh, get on the newsletter because whenever we open up the um, the community for people, you'll be the first to know. It's usually only for a week. This time, it's only going to be for three days. So you kind of got to get in because the idea is that you get in and then we start getting you involved and getting you going um, right away. So check that out, locationindy.com. Mikko, thanks again for coming on. Really appreciate it and cannot wait to continue to hear the amazing things that you're doing. And personally... Now I've got another thing really high on my list. I'm heading to Varna. I'm hitting those beach bars. What's the best time? Give us like, when should we head to Varna? Uh, anytime from June through the end of September. So I'll be there June through September this year. So if anybody wants to come join, uh, you're welcome to come hang out. There you go. Nomad life in Varna. Thanks, Mikko. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you for joining us today on our very special monthly bonus episode where we highlight a Location Indie member and their story. If you're interested in joining Location Indie and learning more about what goes on in our community, check us out at locationindie.com. You can hop on the newsletter and be the first to know when the community opens up again. We'll chat with you soon. See you next time. Peace.